Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Injured, sick, and in foul trouble. That and a hot shooting Indiana team at Michigan State basketball for picking up its second straight big victory last week as the Spartans fell to a suddenly surging Hoosiers team on Sunday. It's a loss that has some in the fan base once again questioning Tom Izzo's decision to go into the season with a relatively thin roster. Do they have a point? We will discuss that and the Spartans win against Rutgers last Thursday on episode 100 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Braden Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel with you on Monday, January 23rd, 2023. And first off, guys, we made it to 100 episodes, so uh, congrats on not getting canceled. Uh, it must mean <laughs> we're not terrible. Uh, Nielsen ratings must be through the roof. Uh, advertisers clamoring to get on the show. Um, everything's looking good. Yeah. I think everybody's just here for special teams. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lose the long snapper. <laughs> yes, I agree, Matt. I think that might be what brings in everyone. And uh, obviously, as we're, we, we, it seems like we might be having a little bit of technical difficulties again with the internet. So if if I cut out or whatever, I apologize for that. But you know, this is the way it is when we're doing podcasts over the internet in the year 2023. But uh, uh, appreciate everyone for listening, and of course, appreciate all the listeners for sticking with us for 100 episodes. I think it might actually be a few more than 100 because of some of the crossovers we do with the Michigan guys and some bonus episodes. But with all three of us, this is or at least the official version of the Spartan Confidential. Yes. Uh, this is our 100th episode, so that's awesome. And even more importantly, guys, have you have you gotten the Breslin Center horn out of your head yet? Oh gosh, that was, yeah, that was, well, first of all, thank you. Like my microphone only worked for like, I only figured it out like at episode 50 or so. So thank you for, if you've been here from the beginning, thanks for sticking with <laughs> yeah. us. We, we were pretty bad at this for a while. Um, <laughs> but no, that was, yeah. that was one of the strangest, we were. We were. <laughs> that was one of the strangest delays um, we've had for a while. You know, it was like an air horn and the thing stuck or something. So um, I was thankful I was not there for that because even the, the Purdue game last Monday was I don't know what it was. I've been in Breslin plenty of times, but it was considerably loud, and I had a absolutely pounding headache by the time that game was over. So when the horn was sounding on, uh, what was that, Thursday night, whatever night that was, I, I was not disappointed to be able to mute the TV on my couch. It was weird, though, because after a while, like, your head just, like, naturally tuned it out. So, like, after it had been a minute or two, we're all kind of like, is it still going? We can't tell anymore. Like, my brain has, like, gotten rid of it somehow. It was, you think you've seen it all, you know, doing this for eight, ten years or whatever I've been doing, and then some, something like that happens. 
Yeah, I think Fox said it was a four-minute horn delay, and the Breslin Center DJ was like trying to tune it out with, you know, music. And I, I was feeling a little bad for the students that maybe went out on a Wednesday night. Uh, I know it was a night game, you know, not an early morning or afternoon game, but, but uh, I have a feeling maybe some of the students in there, you know, were feeling that a little harder than some of the adults in the crowd. So, uh, <laughs> yes, a four-minute horn delay, guys. You can check that off your Breslin Center bucket list there. Uh, you've completed it. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening here today. We're going to get to the basketball here in a bit. Michigan State uh, coming off a very busy week. We touched on their uh, narrow loss on Martin Luther King Day to Purdue last episode. On this episode, we were going over their uh, impressive win against Rutgers concerning uh, some concerns in that game that well, I think we'll touch on. And then obviously yesterday going into assembly hall in Bloomington, one of the hardest places to play in the country. And the place was absolutely on fire. Michigan state put up a valiant effort with a lot stacked against them, but uh, just too much trace decks and Davis Tamar Bates uh, and co to take down the Hoosiers there at home. Um, so we'll get into both of those games here today. Appreciate everyone for listening. Um, Kyle, which game you want to talk about first? I mean, I just briefly, I guess with the Rutgers, I, I just want to touch on, you know, it was a good win for Michigan state. I think we can spend the bulk of the episode on Indiana, but just let's get Rutgers out of the way here. A good performance. I think overall for Michigan state, obviously the offensive rebounds, giving those up is a concern and that's going to continue to be a concern moving forward. Uh, Michigan state really relying on their shooting against the Scarlet Knights and playing very good three point defense, which they've done for most of the year. But uh, that was an encouraging win and one Michigan state had to have coming off two losses. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a simple game sometimes. Uh, Michigan State shot really well. Rutgers shot really poorly. Um, and that really overcame everything else because in a lot of other ways, Michigan State uh, was really not very good. Uh, I thought Rutgers came in and kind of punched him in the mouth right from the start. Uh, you mentioned the rebounding. Uh, were much better on the glass. Uh, um, they were more physical and, and got Michigan State down. I think it was 14-5 early. And you know, credit to Michigan State, they rallied, they they hit uh, 11 three-pointers, 12 three-pointers, I think it ended up being, um, and ended up kind of running away from one of the better teams in the Big Ten. So credit to them, but yeah, there were there were concerns about how they played. Um, Rutgers, I, 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 we were struggling afterwards because it's like, I don't know if Michigan State defended Rutgers that well or Rutgers just missed shots. Um, uh, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from um from Rutgers, but man, some of those three pointers, sorry, wide open looks for um, for guys who, who would normally make them. So I don't. Um, so I think Michigan State got a little bit fortunate there, but um, they, they still come out with a win. So uh, and that's what's most important. And, and everybody's seen. I, I don't think anybody was all that concerned with how it happened. You know, you get a win in this conference over a team like Rutgers, um, if, even if it's not the prettiest. I don't think you spend a whole lot of time worrying about that and, and you move on to the next. Um, Brandon, we still got you there? I think so. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we got you. You muted me for a second. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Yeah, that was an accident. I was trying to mute myself. Uh, Cam Cam Spencer in particular really struggled. That's why I was struggling to come over. He's thing. a veteran yeah, guy. Who's, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he didn't hit anything until the very end of the game, and may or may not have uh, impacted some people out there watching the game. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Cam Spencer really struggled. Michigan State, I thought, played really well. But yeah, Rutgers did exactly what they had to do. Steve Peichel, I think, is a fantastic basketball coach who sort of embodies the things that Izzo really preaches in his program, which, you know, rebounding toughness, defense. Uh, it's weird with Michigan State. You know, they, I never thought we'd see Michigan State turn into like a live by the three, die by the three type team. But that's kind of what they become, Kyle. I mean, they, they just really don't have a post presence, even though 
we should talk about in that Rutgers game, Jackson Kohler comes on with a huge double-double basically out of nowhere. I thought he performed pretty well against Indiana too. Um, I mean, I, I guess we could just have that center conversation. Should Is it getting more interesting as to who should be the, who the starting center should be, or does it really not matter because it's going to be a rotation anyways? Yeah, I mean – I, it would be interesting if they did decide to make a change, but centers are so limited in the number of minutes you can play. It's not like you can pick a guy, do it, and roll him out there 35 minutes. Um, maybe you can – I think you can increase Jackson Kohler's um, role uh, slightly, but, I mean, no matter who you start, it's going to be, you know, 20, you know, 18, 15, and whatever the rest is for, for Carson Cooper. It's, I don't see the minutes load changing a whole lot. and. Jackson, Jackson Kohler, I thought he was really good against Rutgers, um, scored pretty well against Indiana, um, but I, I thought he struggled significantly against Trace Jackson Davis, which a lot of centers do um, in his defense. But, um, you know, Trace Jackson Davis spinning around him for dunks um, was, uh, I think, tough, uh, tough to see. But I, I do think he's showing some promise. It's nice to see a freshman um, kind of get his feet under him a little bit. And, you know, what? <laughs> um, I mean, it sounds bad, but like if Trace Jackson Davis is going to score against all of your centers, you might as well put the one out there that's going to score, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh-huh. he's got the, you know, it seems like Jackson's gaining significant confidence. I, you know, it seems like that, you know, the the um, Rutgers game, obviously, you know, I mentioned when double-double and looked well and performed well. And, you know, you just see those offensive flashes. And it seems like Mahdi just – doesn't have that confidence right now on the offensive end of the floor. Was it that little four footer or whatever in the, in the first half he had in the lane. Mm-hmm. And it looked like, I mean, it just looks like all he twisted up and so tense when he's trying to just, I mean, it's an easy shot, you know, but I, I don't know. He just, it seems like he needs to, he needs to get back on track. Um, and obviously some of the teams they've played, some of the big men out there have uh, made it a challenge. I was going to say, that's kind of my flip side of this is like, they need to be getting more out of Sissoko than they are. I mean, nobody was expecting this dude to be first team, all big 10, but, um, and he said, I mean, Edie and uh, Trace Jackson Davis in less than a week is tough. We, we can all acknowledge that, but I think Michigan State expected him to be at least defending these guys a little bit better. Um than than he's been able to one on one, and maybe getting giving them a little bit more on offense. Not not a double digit score, but um, at least being a threat for something more than a lob, giving one or two more buckets tonight. I mean, there was a moment I don't know how much of the broadcast caught it on Sunday against Indiana where he they posted him up. He kind of makes a move across the lane, misses the shot, and they go back down to the bench, and Izzo screaming at him basically like don't shoot that it was a basic post up but they're to the point now where it's like that's not for most teams that's a pretty high percentage shot that's that's not a high percentage shot um when he's in the game and that that told me a lot about where Michigan State is right now with its centers and its offense and it seems like that lob that we saw so much early in the season um being open is is no longer <laughs> yeah. really there you know we saw a couple little looks against Purdue and it didn't work and now it just I don't know it just seems like teams have changed the way they defended that and He's just not getting those. Those are the easy baskets for him, obviously. Right. Well, Madi, I mean, it's not even just the scoring. I mean, he's got eight. He scored. Eight, he had eight rebounds in the two games last week. I mean, after the Purdue game. I mean, that's just not good enough. I mean, mm-hmm. the offensive rebounding is coming down to him either going up and not grabbing the ball. Like the guy has icicles for hands or something or just getting out rebounded, getting out tough. I mean, if he's not going to be in there. 
getting rebounds and, and being a difference maker, blocking shots and using his length to impact these bigs. I don't really know what value he's bringing to the table. And Kyle, this gets into the bigger, you know, question. What was the thing? I hate to go back to this, but in the offseason, so many fans wanted a transfer portal big, a one-year veteran that you can bring in. People bring up Manny Bates, who's at Butler, who's been hurt lately. So I'm not sure how that would have played out. But, like, it is hard to, like, you even see Julius Marble being productive at Texas A&M. You know, it's like, it is interesting to think about, like, if this team had one more, you know, maybe one-year veteran big, how that would change their outlook. Because right now, their front court, and really their depth in general without Malik Hall is – it's not up to Big Ten standards. No. And I, I will say, like, yes, they could use another high-level big man um, on this roster. I, I just think it's easier said than done. Um, I, 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 when I think back to who they were talking about, like, nobody on that list, I feel like, is lighting up college basketball. You, mean, you, mean, you mentioned Manny Bates. Um, there were some other guys. I mean – um, there weren't a whole lot of guys that were just kind of ready-made, plug-and-play, um, and um, ready to come in. And, you know, Izzo's position was always like, I'm not going to recruit a guy over who I have. So you're talking about a guy that was going to kind of what platoon or play, come off the bench after Mahdi. Not a lot of guys are going to want to do that. So it was not it was not a job that I think had a whole lot of applicants, um, and I'm not sure how good the applicant pool was. Um if you were willing to recruit over him, so to speak, and bring in a dude, maybe you could have gone and got someone. I mean, I did. It did occur to me when they were playing at Illinois. I'm watching Dane Danger play. Um, he's a kid who was at Baylor, um, is from Minneapolis, so from the Big Ten footprint originally. Um, comes back to the Big Ten and uh, looked pretty good <laughs> uh, against Michigan State, at least. Um, so, it, yes, I mean, I. I'm not dismissing that argument, but I, I think it was easier said than done. And um, I don't think that there were a whole lot of big men out there that um, that would fit exactly what Michigan State wanted. I guess I'm just reading like, you know, this the Izzo's quotes from, the you know, your story, the one I referenced off the top, you know, with the headline. And he's talking about how we didn't have enough guys to do it. And we were just not deep enough to do this. And it's like, well, whose fault is that, Tom? So like, you could have done something about this. To me, that to me that was kind of separate from the from the center issue. Um, I mean, that they've won games and beaten good teams with this center rotation. It is not the strength of their team, but I don't think I think they can be a Sweet Sixteen team um, uh, with this center rotation. It, to me, that headline was about Malik Hall is out. Tyson Walker played with a stomach bug um, and was a shell of himself um, on Sunday. And then A.J. Hogard commits two fouls by eight minutes in the first half. Um, and Jade Nakins committed a second foul with five minutes left in the first half. And that's when Indiana really started going on its run. They and, don't and have to be benched, though. They don't have to be benched. Right. So we we asked Tom that because I it's funny. I tweeted that. I said, I'm surprised they didn't bring Hogarth back. And everyone jumped on me like, oh, have you ever watched this team? Like, yes, I've watched this team. But there are specific instances where time is always broken the two foul rule. And one of them is if you've got a guy who doesn't typically foul, so basically not a center, who picks up kind of a fluky foul, and then things start getting away from you and he's an important guy like A.J. Hogarth. I, I thought that that fit the criteria for bringing him back in. He did it with Tyson Walker at least once last year that I remember. Um, and he does do it on occasion if he can trust the guy. So we asked him afterwards. He didn't totally answer it, but his basic answer was I didn't trust the refs. <laughs> um, it's not that he didn't trust 
um, AJ to not go out there and play smart. Um, I, I think he was, he could have gotten, um, been okay with that, but, um, you know, there's just a lack of consistency with officiating and, you, you know, the, the potential, especially because Indiana is going to play right at him of him being in a situation where it's a questionable one. And, um, Larry blowing his whistle, uh, once again, Adam would have been, um, I, I think, <laughs> and then, and then you're really in a tough spot. So I, I think he decided, and, you know, they did, they did come back and take a lead in the second half. Um, but I think by that point, um, yeah. Indiana still had a lot of momentum and that would have been a tough one to pull out. Did you uh, watch the Indiana game, Matt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. I thought, um, yeah, I mean, basically sum up what Kyle, what Kyle had said, you know, they were, they were shorthanded on the road. Um, assembly was rocking and um, Trace Jackson Davis is um, uh, a good player. <laughs> Very hard to stop. And what did he go for, 30, 32 and an 11 or something 30, like that? 31, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, very difficult to stop, and they just, you know, they didn't have it. I thought, you know, I guess bright spot. I thought Jaden Akins played really well. You know, mm-hmm. you saw, you know, what did he get? Yeah, three threes, mm-hmm. what, 15 points? So, um, seeing a little bit more from him. I like some, yeah, I just – Bright spots, but not enough to to overcome the where they were at with their roster. Again, no no Hall and you know Walker sick and, and guys in foul trouble, and you know again a very tough place to play. And who's the uh, who's the guy after came off uh, the bench for Indiana and just torched them? Because um, they Tamar Bates. Tamar Bates yeah. yeah, what did they finish like twenty six to nine and bench points or something like that? It was uh, yeah. As <laughs> so, can we talk about? Let's do like like guy who's playing well guy who who's not um because i'm, I'm glad you brought up um jay nakins because to, to me like what what he's been doing the last couple of games he's been really encouraging like he looks like the player that we heard about all summer and through the fall who's going to be kind of a breakout guy um shooting the ball well um showing that athleticism again with the dunks getting the steals that he's turning into fast break buckets, um, providing energy, but also kind of becoming a little bit more of an all around player um, against Rutgers. Um, I thought he played a pretty bad first half, shot the ball poorly, turned it over um, at halftime. According to Izzo, he pretty much walked in and said, Hey, I got to play better. That's all on me. I'm going to get it together. And then played a great second half uh, against Rutgers. And I thought it was a big, big piece of why they did well. And then I thought it was one of the bright spots against Indiana. So they need him a lot right now with uh, Malik Hall out. And I think he's given them, I think he's given them a lot. So he's my positive. Um, the negative, I, I don't know. Should, should we have a conversation about uh, Pierre Brooks and where everything stands with that? What is he like one for his last yes. 14 from the field? I think. Yeah. Like it's one for 14. Like, like I, I, I don't want to pile on a kid um, yeah. because he seems like a good kid, but like, man, like, I don't like, like, what do you do at this point? no no i mean I, I don't i don't want to pile on him either because i think pierre is a good kid and i think he's he's still learning he's still a young player you know it's only his second year but you know we've talked at length about his defensive limitations uh you know he gets lost out there sometimes he's not rebounding the way as it wants him to be and the one thing that he was bringing to the table at least earlier in the year was his shooting and if he's not going to make shots if he's if he's not going to be aggressive going to the basket and he's not going to rebound I'm not really sure what he's bringing to the table. I mean, with Malik Hall out, I think they have to be playing him. Like, they, they can't be playing him three, four minutes a game. They just don't have the depth. You know, Jason Whitens doesn't bring much of anything to the table. So, the alternative is to go small or to go big with the two bigs, which we've seen Tom messing with lately, running dudes off screens. And 
I just think he has to be in there, but he's got to be better. I mean, a lot of it, especially with Tom talking about how a lot of it is effort related. You know, I don't think the missed shots bother him. No, they don't. Um, and I didn't think he took bad shots, but um, I, I guess I, I don't know. I might disagree a little bit on the Whitens point because I think Jason Whitens is going to maybe hustle a little bit better, play a little bit of defense. And man, as soon as it goes to sounds, he's not going to go for five. Um <laughs> He's probably going to go over O or over one. Um, so, and you know, that's that's shots that are going to um, you know maybe go to some guys who are shooting it better right now. Listen, I the the de- I mean, it's two separate things, right? I mean, the defense and and rebounding and effort. Um, I mean, that's stuff that they're talking about, and that's stuff that they get on him about the shooting. I mean, that this that's a slump. I mean, he's a high percentage shooter. Uh, we all saw Moneyball. Um, he can he can shoot the ball. So I I do think that there's reason to let him shoot out of this and that's what they're doing. But um, yeah, like the play, I think it was right after Jaden hit the three in the second half um, and they went ahead and they were looking good. They go back on the other end. Um, Indiana gets the ball to trace Jackson Davis in the post. Michigan state is digging, doubling um, at that point. So Pierre just kind of does like a kind of like a slow double team and leaves this guy open. And then, once the ball goes back out, he really doesn't close out and kind of gives up an open three. And there didn't look like there was a ton of effort, um, frankly, on the play and just a killer play. And Indiana kind of got it going from there. So um, I don't know where you go. I mean, maybe I, I do think that he's shown to be a good enough shooter that you got to let him work his way through that. But, man, these last three, four games, it's it's been tough to see what what he's been given Michigan State especially on a team, you know, with, without Malik Hall, that really is relying on its guards to score right now. You know, you mm-hmm. really need that guy who can come and make a shot or at least has the athleticism to get a bucket. And I guess that's why I lean Brooks over Whitens because at least Brooks, you know, has that threat of scoring. You know, we've seen him score double digits in games this year. So yeah, at least he's more of a threat than Whitens, where if you have like Whitens and Holloman and guys out there at the same time, I mean, there's not really an offensive scoring threat that teams are going to respect. So I don't know. It just gets a little bit limited at Michigan State offensively, as good as its guards can be, as good as Joey Hauser can be. Uh, you know, without Malik in there, the, the score, no low post presence. If the shots aren't falling, it can get a little stagnant at times. So I just think having Pierre's threat to score is helpful. And he's just got to be better. You know, I just think he's got to play harder. He's got to try. I don't know what it is. I know we know the kid has talent. We saw him dropping 40 against good competition. So, well, you know, the shooting um, you know, we like, there. Should... And I agree on Aiken. Pierre. He shouldn't be shooting that well, but he should be shooting better. But like the play, and I'll, I'll let you go on Aikens here in a second, but just the, the play with him where he pump faked and left his feet and traveled, like that to me, it was just a sign of a player kind of in his own head. Um, you don't see a lot of high level players of his caliber making that mistake. So whether it's, you know, I don't know, someone on the staff's got to talk to him or, or some sort of come to Jesus moment or whatever. I mean, Tom Izzo certainly has um, gotten through to some players that are that are going through it before in the past. So um, I, I think you're looking at the mental aspect for him at this point. Yeah, I don't think anyone's given up on Pierre Brooks here. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He's got he's got plenty of talent. We've seen it. I mean, he's just got to work through some stuff. Just real quick on Aikens, I think what the biggest thing, you know, in, in in getting confidence, you know, you were talking about it when he was first coming back, about how we hadn't really seen those athletic sort of plays to the basket. Well, back-to-back games, we saw him drive with a left-hand thunder uh, dunk. So it just seems like he's feeling more confident in his injury, like in his injury, and that it's going to hold out and whatnot now. And that's obviously huge because – Aikens, Hogard, Walker. I mean, I don't know if there's a better backcourt in the Big Ten than those three. No, they've been really good. 
Who found it odd? Did you? I mean, the AP rankings just came out this afternoon. So Purdue is number one. And I'm scanning the list and I'm like, um, that's it for the Big Ten? I have only one team yeah. that's number yeah. one. I saw uh, I saw somebody tweeted a little bit ago. I think it, they said it was the first time since 2004 that the Big Ten has only had one team in the top 25. But I, I just find that astounding at this point in the season, um, you know, being late January and, and you got Purdue at one and nobody. Sorry for the off topic. Uh, no, no, no. I, I wanted to bring that up anyways because Michigan State plays Purdue on Sunday and they'll be the number one team in the country. So going into Mackey, which has just been an absolute house of horrors for Michigan State, they obviously have Iowa at home on Thursday as well, which won't be any easy team. But Iowa's typical Iowa, one of the best offensive teams in the country, can't guard a lick. So, uh, you know, Michigan State has been a pretty good defensive team. Uh, throughout the year, top 30, I think, in Ken Palm. So, uh, you know, that would be an interesting matchup to track. But to your point about the Big Ten, Matt, I mean, uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous. If you look at the Ken Palm projections for, like, conference record, they've got, you know, 16-4 and four for Purdue, 13-7 and seven for Rutgers, and then everyone else is, like, 10-10 and 10 and 11-9. and nine. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's turning into Purdue and everyone else, which, um, Matt, I, I got to take a second here. Like, I know they've had a couple of injuries, but man, I'm a little less than shocked that Indiana is not uh, running away with the Big Ten at this point. I know they're on a run and they're, and they're looking better, but um, yeah, I mean, they it, it's pretty, it's just pretty when everyone else, you know, um, I, Zachy, Zach Eady is, um, I mean, he's been there a couple of years, but man, he, he's taken a huge leap this year. Uh, Matt Painter, I mean. Um, I know Tom is a Hall of Famer and he's going to be number one in everyone's rankings, but Matt Painter, man, he just gets together a squad every single year um, that is, that is up there and competing. So, um, and he's doing it with two freshman guards, which is pretty darn impressive. Uh, I mean, normally though, that time of year, freshman, this time of year, I should say freshman guards are kind of getting their lunch handed to him a little bit, but those guys, I mean, I guess, I guess Fletcher had a, had a tough game the other day, but they won anyway. Um, those guys are getting it done. So Kudos to him. I mean, I'd be shocked at this point if Purdue, if Purdue doesn't win the Big Ten. I mean, I know they're winning close every game. That's kind of the weird thing. They got this big record. They create record, but everyone's coming close to him. And but only Rutgers has knocked him off. But I'd be surprised if enough teams um, knock them off to to really make this a race down the stretch. And yeah, past that, it's it's a total jumbled mess from basically it feels like about two to about twelve. There's almost no separation, which. Um, just makes it a meat grinder for if you're one of the teams in the middle of that, you know. Um, and we we're talking about this the other day after the Indiana, just to kind of look forward. Like, if you're really not, I mean, it's too, I mean, this is not over, but if you're probably not in the Big Ten title race, um, to me, if you're Michigan State right now, what I'm trying to do the rest of the season is stay off the bubble, you know, don't make Selection Sunday a question mark at all. And then just try to get healthier and get better, you know, um, and that's getting Millie call back when you get him back, um, acclimate him well and just kind of get get things rolling towards March. I don't think it's too early to start thinking about that now because it's not shaping, looking like there's going to be a Big Ten title race. It's not looking like you're probably going to be on the bubble. So to me, I, I think you're kind of getting to the point where you can start thinking about that and um, how can we be the best team we, we can be in March and most of that revolves around Malik Hall and getting him back and getting him some confidence and and having him ready to to be the guy that he was um come March. Yeah. I agree. And you know, they don't play till Thursday. So hopefully Tyson Walker will be 
feeling better by then um, and not really impacted by the bug or whatever he had over the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's really about the end game now for Michigan State. I mean, there seems unlikely they're going to have a Big Ten shot here. So really just try and keep improving, get enough big win- wins, and then see what can happen when the, the brackets come out in March. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we have anything else basketball-related. Is there anything on football we need to touch on, Matt, other than uh, – you know, the big house widening the tunnels. I know our, <laughs> our Michigan uh, reporters are covering that, but uh, <laughs> obviously uh, I think we might know what have, uh, what might have encouraged them to look into that. Yeah. Um, you can make this real quick. So um, they announced on, on Friday, their mid-year enrollees. So um, the seven freshmen, true freshmen, one Juco transfer, and then I think it was 12, no, 11 others, uh, 11 other transfers from, from the portal. So uh, basically the guys that you, that they had already, yeah, the guys they signed, they announced in December that Mel could talk about. And then um, you had some others, uh, Jalen Franklin, tight end from Wisconsin, who was committed. Jaron Mangum running back from South Florida, Cast Tech kid, brother of uh, obviously Jaden Mangum. And uh, Mason Arnold, the longer, long snapper from Ohio State who had just committed um, last weekend. So uh, if I remember correctly, those are the three guys that had uh, not been officially recognized by the program yet, um, but they are now, and they started uh, their winter strength and conditioning program uh, last week on Tuesday. So that'll carry them into spring practice and go from go from there. All right, cool. Well, we'll get out of here with that. Again, apologize for these technical issues. We've got a delay going on, and <laughs> that's probably why it might sound a little weird. Hopefully, I can clean some of it up. But uh, we'll try and get this figured out before our next episode because it is incredibly annoying to deal with. But uh, appreciate you guys for hanging in there with us. Uh, Kyle's post-game coverage from the Indiana game is on MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, you know where to find the episodes and where to find us on Twitter. Michigan State back in action against Iowa. 7 o'clock at the Breslin Center. I believe the game is on Fox Sports 1. Uh, these guys will be there covering it for you, and we will uh, react to that and the Purdue game on the next episode. So for Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go green.